It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here. Fall camp is officially closed as of about 30 minutes ago. The final open practice of, uh, I don't know, 17 of them or something like that? Yeah, I think we got to watch like 10 or 11. So. Yeah, I lost track after two. Yeah. Um, they all kind of start to look the same. Uh, but the next podcast we do will be game week. will be about 48 hours before Missouri kicks off against Tennessee Martin to open the 2018 season. What we're going to do on this podcast in a moment is – just basically go through, you know, the depth chart and, and kind of what we think at every position to get you guys set for the season opener. But, look, we talk college football. Like, you can't talk college football right now and not talk Ohio State. Just, Mitch, uh, instant reaction to Urban Meyer's, uh, I don't know, punishment? Is yeah. that what uh, we should I mean, call it? It's It's not surprising, which is honestly a little bit sad. I mean, it's just – I think, you know, once he wasn't fired immediately, I think everyone kind of realized, all right, I mean, they're going to look for – they're looking – this investigation is looking for a way to make it okay to keep him. Mm-hmm. Um, but – and I didn't watch the uh, the press conference yesterday. I, I know a lot of people did. But I, from what I understand and everything I've read, I mean, just the, the school just did not handle it well. Um, you know, basically admitted that Meyer, you know, knew about these instances – uh, he didn't report the instances of abuse that happened with Zach Smith uh, at, at Florida to his athletic director. He, uh, you know, the, the school didn't act when, you know, the 2015 incident came up. The whole talk of, you know, medication and memory lapses is just, I mean, when you're get going there, it's just like, I mean, you, you might as well just say, like, and you've said this too, you might as well just say, like, this guy's too good of a coach to get rid of. So, yeah, it, it's just, it's disappointing, but it's not surprising. It's basically my, my whole reaction. Yeah, that was my, like, I don't even know if I was really angry that he wasn't going to get fired, mm-hmm. I, whatever. But then the investigation basically says, yeah, everything Brett McMurphy has written is true. And we're still not firing him. So I would have had much more respect for Ohio State and what's going on if they had just stood at that podium last night and go, hey, guess what? Here's the middle finger. We don't care what you think because we win football games. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, at least you're being honest. Mm -hmm. But this, he lied, but he didn't mean to lie. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, not an intentional, what was, not an intentional lie or whatever, yeah. To have two weeks to prepare for that press conference and to look as awful as they looked, I mean, that alone is a fireable offense to me. Just <laughs> yeah. Don't be that stupid, yeah, you know? And, absolutely. And, and, like, we're kind of laughing, but it, the more serious issue here is this. And I, I've told anybody who I've talked to about this in the last 12 hours, like, this makes me want to college cover college sports less. Absolutely. Because why do these things keep happening? Because time after time, when they happen— we teach the players and the coaches that the rules don't apply to them because they're really good at football. Mm-hmm. And we care too much about wins and losses, and we're too invested in the laundry that we root for to make them pay when they are deplorable human beings. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, it, just during this whole ordeal, you, as, as we saw, you have, you know, hundreds and thousands of fans, you know, attacking the, this woman, Courtney Smith, and her story and her credibility and, and – you know, all this stuff. And, and like, it just basically, it just shows like if, 
like you said, if you win football games, you're above the rules, and anyone who you harm in the process almost, I mean, like, it's just, like, they, they have no recourse because they they have to not battle necessarily just battle that person, but battle mm-hmm. the, you know, thousands of loud, screaming college football fans out there. So, I mean, it, I don't see it changing. I mean, you know, nope. it's too big, too big money of a business to win in college sports, but it, it is a little disappointing. And it, if Ohio State manages to go 3-0, and and look, TCU's a good team, but they probably will. Mm-hmm. They're going to be 3-0. and and Urban Meyer is going to come back, and Courtney Smith's name is never going to be mentioned. Yeah. It's just going to be, can they win the Big Ten? Can they get to the playoff? And, and and from our side of things, I would hope if this was the University of Missouri, and it's a different deal because Missouri doesn't win like Ohio State does, but if they did, I would hope that every single media opportunity Urban Meyer has, the first question is about this. Yeah. It's not who's your left guard. It's not how's the sophomore wide receiver looking. It's okay. So we're going to talk about this stuff that happened this summer, and then he's they're going to shut it down. But, no, we're going to talk about this stuff because yeah. you owe people better answers than you've given them. Right, right. And, I mean, I, you know, are those answers going to come? No, I no. don't think so. But, yeah, at least, I mean, it, it, you know, as a, a media member, you, you to do you, you know do your job in good faith. I feel like right. you have to kind of demand that he answer a little bit better for, for these things that the that the university's own investigation, you know, said he did. Right. Like like I've always said, like, look, we can't make them answer the questions, but we have to ask them. Yeah. That's our job. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, obviously on to much more pressing issues now, <laughs> Missouri's depth chart. Um, yeah. And, you know, hey, this is what you guys want to know about. You don't really care. If you really care what we think about uh, Urban Meyer, just get on Twitter. I tweeted a couple times last <laughs> night, I think. Uh, you know, but um, we've seen, like Mitch said, 10 or 11 practices. Um, we actually saw all of them the last couple days. Yep. Um, yep. Which was, you know, I, I don't know what the word is for it. It was something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was good. We, we, I think, we, you know, we got to see a little 11 on 11 action and kind of get a better feel for what freshmen are going to play, and what the depth chart's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to whine about not being able to see anything, we can't also whine when we get to see things. <laughs> right, so, right. <laughs> so uh, all right, so the depth chart, look, is uh, – we'll just go in order, and we'll yeah. start on offense. Quart- quarterback, um, I think we know the starter, yeah. right? Well, let's just say, like, after watching, you know, some more camp, I mean, like – you know, everyone would always say, oh, if the starting quarterback gets can- gets hurt, cancel the season. But, like, actually cancel the season. Just just probably don't play it. Like, I, I think this is a fair question. If Drew Locke gets hurt <laughs> in one of the first three weeks, can Missouri win an SEC game? I mean, you know. When, <laughs> I'm not it, sure they can. It's hard to say because, you know, when we're watching the, the guys behind them these last three days, they're not working with the starters. They're working right. with other you know, twos and threes and whatnot, but I, I have seen nothing, not, not a single thing that would make me say, yes, they could. Right. I, I think for it to happen, it would have to be a situation where, hey, the defense scored a couple times or where they face a team like Tennessee's been the last couple years mm-hmm. where literally you can just line up and tell that defense, we're going to hand the ball <laughs> off and run at you, and they can't stop. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, Larry Roundtree and Damari Crockett and that offensive line, yeah, they might win a game or two, but I think we're safe saying if Drew Locke, suffers any sort of injury before week six, this team's not making a bowl game, right? Uh, absolutely not. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, like, the the drop-off is as steep as, as I've ever seen. It's, yeah, it's uh, it, it just basically and, just, you know, I mean, 
if if Drew gets hurt, just probably stop stop watching. Yeah, and, and it, look, this is something that's going to have to be addressed after the season. They yeah. hope it's not going to have to be addressed during the season. And, and we're in no way saying that Michael Wilson or Taylor Powell or Lindsey Scott Jr. can't get much better and Absolutely. and start next year. That, yeah. that could happen. Mm-hmm. We're not writing this these kids off for their careers. But I will be surprised if Missouri does not explore a graduate transfer quarterback next year. Sure, yeah. I mean, at least, you know, not, you know, kick the tires a little bit. I feel like you almost yeah. have to. So. You, you're going to need a bridge to Connor Bazelak because – and maybe if he comes in in the spring and he enrolls early, maybe you turn it over to a true freshman. It's a risk. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I would expect the grad transfer market is something they look at. Um Running back, look, we have no questions here. It is mm-hmm. Demarie Crockett or Larry Roundtree. They will be listed as co-starters all season long. Yep. I I wouldn't be shocked if one gets Series 1 one week and one gets Series 1 the next week. I think they're going to split carries pretty close to 50-50. Yeah. And Tyler Beatty is the third running back, and Dawson Downing is probably the fourth. Yeah, Cornell Ford said a couple weeks ago that uh, he, he kind of plans to trade off series between Crockett and Roundtree in the first half and kind of ride the hot hand through the uh, through the end of games. So I think it'll just it'll just depend on who looks better any given day. But, I mean, you know, the staff's obviously very confident in both of those guys. And then, yeah, like you said, Beatty has kind of emerged as the, as the third guy. Really quick change of pace from the other two guys. So uh, And then we all know about Dawson Downing's uh, trucking ability. So yeah, and, and I think him. it's, it's going to be interesting, like, yeah, you want Drew to put up numbers, and if you could get Drew to New York, that's great. But to me, especially those first two games of the season, because I don't think there's really a gimme after that. Right. But those first two games of the season, to me, I am running Roundtree and Crockett as much as I can. If I can get out of those games and Drew Locke's only thrown 15 passes, therefore has only had 15 opportunities to be hit, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely doing it. And I mean, like we we heard it constantly at SEC Media Days, and it's I mean, obviously proven true. You have to be able to run the football to win in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a line of scrimmage oriented league, and you you know you got to be able to control the ball and not have your defense out there constantly like Missouri at last year. So I mean, even even you know when they are playing, you know the Georgias and South Carolinas of the league, you have to be able to to run the ball, and so that's I mean. You know, we're not. I mean, there's no reason to believe they can't. But uh, I definitely think that that seeing that in the first couple of games would would give that that offensive line and that that unit confidence that they can against you know the the better teams in the league. So offensive line, then. I mean, I I think it, for all the histrionics about Derek Dooley saying nobody <laughs> has a job. I mean, Yasir Durant left tackle, Kevin Pendleton left guard, Tristan Colon Castillo center, Trevor Sims Wallace right guard, Paul Adams right tackle. Yep. Yep, a lot of names, same same five starters. Right. So, They're yeah. set. They're not going to change. I think oh. Jonah Dubinsky can play some. I mm-hmm. think Case Cook can play some. Mm-hmm. The coaches seem to like Hiron White, but I'm not, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think, yeah, I think Dubinsky and Cook would be the first two off the uh, off the bench to play uh, either either center or guard. Um, I'm not if it was a tackle, I would guess White, but I'm, I'm not positive. Yeah, on it that. could be Larry Borum yeah. there. Yeah. And the only other guy that. I don't think he plays extensively, but with the new red shirt rule, mm-hmm. I would not be shocked in the first couple of weeks to see Mike Ruth get yeah, a little bit no, of time. Absolutely, the coaches were high on him. They, the other linemen I talked to were high on him, and uh, yeah, I, I, there's no reason for them to burn a red shirt for him with all right. the guys they have there. But I think he'll he'll see some action. So then tight end again, zero questions. Mm-hmm. Albert Okwue Bunam gets. I don't know, sixty percent of the snaps. Kendall Blanton gets thirty nine percent of the snaps, and. <laughs> yeah. The other 1% goes to Adam, Brendan Scales, Logan Christofferson, 
Maybe if they're in a running package, maybe Daniel Parker Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is going to be Albert O and Kendall Blanton yeah. for almost every snap, I would yeah. think. And I do think we'll see the two of them on the field a little bit more than we have in the past. Together, uh, together, yeah. At the same time, um, you know, I I think uh, we've we've made a big deal out of the Dooley Prostel offense. I really ultimately don't think it's going to look very different at yeah. all from last season. It's going to be slower, but it, that's yeah, all. I, I agree, but I do think you'll see a little bit more uh, two tight end sets. Uh, at least that's kind of the the vibe I've been getting. And so you know, the, the staff obviously loves uh, loves those two guys. No reason not to. Al- Alberto is a stud. Yeah. So yeah, they'll both play on Sundays. Uh, just Missouri fans hope they won't both play on Sundays next year. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want Albert to be good. You don't maybe want him to be too good right uh, absolutely receiver two of the three spots are set mm-hmm. uh emmanuel hall is going to start jonathan johnson's going to start mm-hmm. i think nate brown starts at the other spot uh, definitely you know nominally for sure yeah uh, he'll be out there for the first snap snap i would think uh he'll be at, at the top of the depth chart a uh, receiver is interesting i mean like they they still definitely don't know yet which guys i think are going to wind up being the primary rotation i think they mm-hmm. want to see some guys in games just because of all the new faces they have you know we mentioned those three guys they've got uh four true freshmen who will definitely see game action at least no. i would think dom jacinto cam scott yeah. jalen knox and kamari thompson and, kamari and thompson. I, I i would guess at least one of those guys probably ends up redshirting um, most likely maybe Thompson right now, but I, I think they'll run them all out there in games to see what they have for sure. Um, and then Alex Ofadale, the graduate transfer from Oregon, and then Rashad Floyd's going to be back at some point. So I would, just based on kind of whispers, I think Rashad Floyd might be back for Purdue. Yeah. That's, okay. that's a, just on, in talking to a couple people, I think that's, so, that's I mean, the yeah. hope. That's so, I mean... Obviously, not much of the season missed at all. So, yeah, I think if I had to guess, uh, the guy, the receiver, the freshman receivers who are going to play the biggest role this season are probably Knox and Jacinto, at least until Floyd gets back for, in Jacinto's case. I think Scott will see a role as well. Just I think uh, I was talking to Afad- A.J. Afadale about this the other day, about kind of the opportunity to, to specialize a little bit with these receivers. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Jacinto getting some some slot looks, maybe some mm-hmm. kind of tricky play type looks, and uh, and Scott to just go in there and be a burner when they need to stretch the stretch the field vertically. So I think I think they'll trot all those guys out there during games and just kind of see what they got and then tighten up the rotation from there. And I think Jacinto and Knox will get chances to return punts yeah. in the first two games. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking with somebody at practice yesterday. They should have given Jalen Knox a different number. Yeah. Because as much as they are talking this kid up, he's wearing number nine. And the first time he makes a play in a game, everybody is going to compare him to Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. And that's and just he, not he seems fair. To have fairly similar skill set. Right. Too. Like he I think he's a really good player. He's, but yeah. you know, every year since Jeremy graduated, I've been asked, like, who's the next Jeremy Macklin? And I'm like, like, you didn't have one for a hundred years. Why should we automatically have another one? Absolutely, yeah. No, I, yeah, that's that that will be, uh, you know, a little bit unfair to him. But but they they do but kinda, he does look like I'm not saying I'm not saying he's Jeremy Macklin, but he has a similar skill set in that like he's good, you know, from what we are, he's good with the ball in his hands. He can return punts, you know. He can he's fast, but he can also kind of go over the middle. So we'll see. I I, uh, I think definitely of all the freshman receiver, it seems like the staff is highest on him. Yeah, and so and look, special teams. Uh, Corey Fatoni's going to punt. Tucker McCann's going to kick. We need to spend no time on that. Yeah, probably Roundtree will start off returning kickoffs, but I think they might give some other guys. I'm look not there. sure he right. will. I mean, I, I just I, I know he's he's getting a lot of the looks, but to me, a guy that's going to carry the ball that many times, 
I don't want him out there well, on the most dangerous play in college football. The other football. thing is they might never return a kickoff. There might right. be no kickoff returns this whole year. I think Beatty will get a look at kickoff returns for sure. Um, there's a few other yeah. guys as well. But, yeah, they might. I mean, I mean Tyler might... Beatty's the fastest guy on the team, I think. I'd yeah. put him back there if he can catch. Yeah, yeah. I just, but I'm truly not sure we'll even have kickoff returns anymore. But. Yeah, there, there won't be many. I mean, I'd tell a guy, stand at the 10 if you have to back up at all. Fair catch. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, so we only spent like 10 minutes on offense and special teams because there really aren't any questions. Right. Defense, there are questions. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, and not just about the depth chart, but is this defense going to be any good? Obviously, mm-hmm. we don't know that. Mm-hmm. Nobody has any idea. Um, we'll start inside. I mean, look, Terry Beckner Jr. is going to start. Mm-hmm. Walter Palmore is going to start next to him. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's based on two things. I think Palmore has been really good this fall, and I think he's probably past Jordan Elliott. I also think they have pairings. Mm-hmm. They like Beckner with Palmore. They like Jordan Elliott with Rashad Brandon. Mm-hmm. That's your second pair. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, when you talk to the coaches, you know, they, they were all glowing about Rashad Brandon last year when he was uh, sitting out after transferring from Texas. He was on the scout team. But I think kind of consistency has been a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue at times with him. So I think they uh, I think they give Palmore the nod there. But, yeah, like you said, I think, you know, having – I think uh, Elliot like, like Beckner, is kind of just that, like, dominant, like kind of, you know, occupy two blockers type of dude. And, they, you know, they like, they like having him uh, alongside Brandon like they have – Beckner alongside uh, Palmore. So, yeah, I think, I mean, absolutely that's the strength of this defense is the the defensive tackle unit. That's no surprise. We've talked about it at length. But, you know, they'll even beyond those four guys we mentioned, they'll have other other guys that they play some too. Yeah, they have more guys that can play. I think by week three you're not going to see – you don't need six defensive tackles really. Mm-hmm. But, look, Markel Etsy can play. Kobe Whiteside can play. The interesting one to me – is Akeel Byers, who I think can play there, but can also play a defensive end. Yeah, where, he's been playing both during camp. Yeah, where I think he'll get some time. I st- I think day one starters are Chris Turner and Nate Anderson. Yeah, based yeah, on just having watched practice. Yep. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, Trey Williams is really talented. He always has and, been, and he's going to play. He's like going it's going to, play. to be absolutely, a rotation. Absolutely. I'm just yeah, talking first snap. Yeah, he'll be in there. He'll. he'll I bet those three will, will rotate fairly equally. But but yeah, I think. Uh, they're going to give the nod to Nate Anderson. I'm actually pretty interested to see who who plays at defensive end behind those three because they have a lot of bodies, I mean, but none of which have really kind of proven anything. Yeah, they're going to play Jatorian Hansford and Trajan Jeffcoat in the first four Absolutely. games. Absolutely, yeah. No question. And I think the hope is that one or both of those guys looks really good mm-hmm. and fills out that four-man rotation, mm-hmm. and then Byers is, is kind of that swing guy. I could see Byers being that guy where – on third down, the way they used, you know, Coney Ely in the past, Byers slides inside, and they've basically mm-hmm. got three defensive ends on the field. Yeah. Um, but I think Hansford and Jeffcoat are going to play early. I think they both skip the red shirt. I think they both play past yeah. game four. One of them will for sure. Um, you know, if, if the other one obviously is showing any lack of development or whatever, he probably won't. But, but yeah, one of them will for sure. I think t- today I saw Jeffcoat getting a couple reps with, with the ones and, and there with the two. So I think he's maybe the more likely of the two. But they, mm-hmm. they will definitely – both play in, in these first four games and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think Hansford could be more of a situational guy, mm-hmm. like a, a pass rush guy where Jeff Coat might be a little ahead as far as all around at this point. So, all right, this is where I'm going to make you guys mad. We're going to move to linebacker. <laughs> um, I'm not going to make you mad talking about the first stringers. 
Uh, those are Kale Garrett, Brandon Lee, and Therese Hall. There's zero doubt. I'm not sure Ther- or Kale Garrett will come off the field ever this season. Yeah, no, they uh, they they are a little thin at, at middle linebacker, and they well, obviously... and more than being thin, they love him. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I I so. think they think he's an all SEC type of uh, middle linebacker. He's the captain of this defense. He's not the vocal guy. He's not the leader, but he's the guy in charge out on the field. So those are your three starters. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. I. Th- think Jamal Brooks is Kale Garrett's backup right now, but I'm not sure about it. Uh, and again, I'm just not sure how much he's going to play. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't think, like you said, yeah, Kale's going to be off the field much. But I, I think, like, I, I kind of thought coming in that several of the true freshman linebackers would be more of the the Mike the middle linebacker type. And talking to him, I'm not sure how many are like have been playing that position i think i know that gerald nathan's been uh on the outside i know that uh, nick bolton's been at the kind of Tress hall weak side position um chad bailey i think is mid-middle but he's been hurt he missed almost all of camp so i think it's a little bit like you, you know I just, i'm not trying to you know knock jamal brooks but i think kind of by default he's the number two guy right now mm-hmm. but like you said I mean, that, they do that have... shouldn't be that important in to missouri's defense right and they do have noah robinson a grad transfer from mm-hmm. memphis they have uh jacob trump a walk on i you know, again, it's going to be Kale Garrett 95% of the right, time. Right. Uh, Shouldn't matter. Backing up Therese Hall is going to be Nick Bolton, mm-hmm. who— The coaches I, love. I, yeah, I think it's fair to say we have heard more about Nick Bolton than any other player in this camp, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The coaches have—other than, like, maybe Drew Locke, the coaches just rave about Nick Bolton. So Yeah, so he's going to back up Therese. And backing up Brandon Lee, I think right now game one is Tavon Ross, yeah. not Aubrey Miller Jr. Yeah, I, or, or uh, Ron L. Perkins. Um, he's been kind of he he kind of yeah you know, they both kind of play he, that he, hybrid. He plays a very Ronald Perkins plays a pretty specialized and, role in certain packages, but but yeah, I think depending on the situation, I think uh, yeah, I've seen Tavon Ross get in there quite a bit, and I've seen uh, I've seen Ronald Perkins kind of play in that spot too. So and, and I think Aubrey Miller is a guy they know like you guys love him. Our message board loves him, and they know the potential he has. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he's the type of guy they're like. Yeah, he's got all that potential, but we've got to harness it so he's not the the shortstop chasing a ground ball to first base and T-ball. You know, yeah. like, do your job, be where you're supposed to be, and we know you can run all over the field. We just – we don't want you to do that because it messes up the defense. Right, right, yeah. He's just such a high-energy and kind of like just, you know, loud, crazy dude that that, uh, that I think sometimes he gets – you know, carries himself away a little bit, and, I, you know, obviously, like you say, you and, can't – I mean, that one guy does that, and then you're giving up a touchdown, so – yeah, I uh, I definitely think that that those you know roles can be really adapted based on the situation. Like you know we'll see some some looks maybe where like no one's really kind of lined up as a true linebacker. So you've got you know like guys like Ross and Perkins in there who are you know you covering slot guys or tight ends. But uh, but I think for the most part you know those three starters that you mentioned a linebacker are going to play the majority of the snaps. Yeah, and and I think I think Aubrey Miller plays this year. I'm not saying he's out of the rotation. I think he gets on the field and maybe by midseason you know, they're more comfortable and he plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I just think it's it's going to be a little bit of a, a process. Cornerback, AC and Sparks will start. Yep. Um, Christian Holmes is the third guy, yep. which is, I think actually when Missouri goes to a nickel package, I think they'll have three corners on the field. I think oh, it's absolutely. Christian Holmes that comes in. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fourth cornerback, and, and like we're getting down deep where how much <laughs> it doesn't does this really matter? matter? Yeah. Um, it might, but I, I think it's probably Terry Petrie unless 
Tyrone Collins or Jarvis Ware just blows the coaches away. I, I think both those guys will get on the field for that four-game audition. Yeah. I think the goal would be redshirt them and have Terry Petrie be the fourth corner. Yeah, I, you know, the coaches were talking about Jarvis Ware early in camp. He kind of he got sick and he missed a few practices, and I, I you know, we just haven't seen him on the field a ton these last few practices during camp. Uh, it's been Petrie out there a little bit more. But again, like I, like you said, how much does the being the fourth cornerback on the team really matter? I don't know. It is matters it, if, it, the, if one of the first three. Gets oh, hurt. absolutely, yeah. But, but like, yeah. you know, if they don't, is it worth burning a red shirt for a guy to unfill that role? I don't know. The coaches will decide that. But yeah, I think uh, I think that Holmes, like you said, will be kind of the guy that comes in in the nickel package. And then safety, I think Khalil Oliver and Cam Hilton start game one. Yeah. Um, I that. That is the position where so much can change. Josh Bledsoe may start game one. Um, Tyree Gillespie may start game three or four. Right. You know, I. that's the only position where I feel like it's possible that neither one of the game one starters are starting in game five. Yeah. I, the sense I've kind of gotten at safety is they have four guys that are clearly like in the running. It's Oliver, Hilton, Gillespie, and Bledsoe. And some combination of those guys will play. And I don't think it they I think they're pretty versatile which ones play which positions, strong and, and free safety. But I which guys play is just it I think it's constantly kind of shuffling and they they're just kind of gonna trot all four out there at various points during these first couple of games and, and see who does best and kinda of go from there. So I think I think, you know, Oliver is kinda of right now like you said, Oliver and Hilton are, are more likely to, you know, get the, the nominal start in the first game, but I would expect to see a rotation of all four of those guys pretty regularly. And that redshirt rule really is going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see guys playing that, that would not have played. Yeah, and it's going to be, like, I was thinking today, it might be kind of hard to keep track because, like, you could have a guy yeah. play, like, you know, the first, second, sixth, and twelfth games of the season, right. and he's still uh, still going to be able to redshirt. So it's going to be interesting, but valuable it, for the kids. We for might sure. actually have to start, like, a chart where, yeah. okay, this guy's played in this game, this game, this game, and, and does he still have a redshirt available? Right, uh, right. So, I mean, look. There's no chance that in the amount of practice we see, we're going to see anything that changes what our opinion of the season is, right? Right, right. yeah. I mean, I haven't seen anything that makes me think Missouri is either much better or much worse than I thought they were three weeks ago. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so it, we now are past all the just the crap. I mean, it's like we're, we're trying to keep you guys informed and, and keep content, but, like, we're not drawing conclusions. Mm-hmm. A week from Saturday, we start drawing conclusions. So yeah, I mean, you know, and even that first game, the only conclusions we've talked about they this can't before be that good. we would draw would be bad. I mean, we're not we're not going to watch them beat Tennessee Martin and be like, ah, oh, yes, they're going to win ten games. Right. It's decided. It, so, <laughs> but if if Tennessee Martin scores thirty points, I will absolutely come on here and say they are not going to win nine games, right, or right. eight games. Yeah, no, yeah, they like like we've said before that, and we saw last year the only. Only thing that that can come of uh, of that game is is bad, but uh, yeah, no, we're we're kind of to the point where, you know, we uh, we're we're ready to actually do this thing. the The team is doing like a, a game walkthrough uh, on Saturday with the yeah. their hotel routine or whatever. Good thing all goes they're into gonna they're gonna learn know. how to walk around the. They're cranes. gonna learn they, how to walk through the construction they, site so no one gets get hit by a rogue a, wrecking ball. They won't trip on a big rock, anything <laughs> like that. Yep, yep. So and uh, we're kind of at the same point. We're like we're we're ready to go. Yeah, and um. You know, it's – I don't know. I forgot what I was going to say. I guess it wasn't important. Um, but this is the fun part. Everybody thinks they're going to be good. But I mm-hmm. sense in talking to Barry Odom, like, he likes this team. Yeah. Drew Locke likes this team. 
they think they have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah. You, you know, uh, that all goes out the window if you go up and get beat 35-10 in West Lafayette. But, mm-hmm. you know, right now they, they think they've got a chance to that, that everybody should be putting money on the over rather than the under. Yeah, I mean, you know better than me because just from being around the, these this team and these coaching these coaches before. But yeah, I definitely get the sense that that Barry Odom's pretty at ease. He's pretty comfortable with these guys. Drew Locke, same way, and you know, for both of them, that might just come with with knowing now, you know, a more sense of certainty as to right. what what their role is and everything. But uh, but the, but the the players seem comfortable, and that's not you know, I think I think <laughs> I gotta get this in here at some point today. Some some people have maybe been drinking the camp Kool Aid a little too much. Yes. I'm not predicting them to win 11 games or even 10 or probably even nine but I definitely get the sense that uh that, that the players and the coaches are, are like what they have yeah I, I think nine's possible I wouldn't yeah. predict it but I think it's possible um so today is August 23rd one month from today will be the day after the Georgia game and I feel pretty confident at that point that's the day you're gonna be able to say either okay they're in trouble they're on track or Hang on, this has a chance to be really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you would say three and one through that stretch, even if they, you know, it doesn't really and, matter between Georgia and Purdue which if, one's the if, loss. I would expect if you go three and one, which one do you want to lose? I think, I think honestly, you. I think well, Purdue. Yeah, you'd you'd rather you. Yeah, you. Now, what are the chances you lose to Purdue right, and come back and beat exactly, Georgia? Maybe yeah. not. Good, if if but, you're saying yes, you're three and one. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it'd be better to to you know upset Georgia and you know get all the highlights nationally and in front of the home fans and whatnot although but yeah I do also think that doesn't change my stance that the Purdue game is important because losing it could really you know kind of hurt the the fan base support for the season no question. but yeah I mean three and one I think is the expectation worse than that people are going to be uh pretty pretty worried better than that while unlikely would be uh exciting yeah and and the, the game, after obviously, they have a bye after that, and then South Carolina. And the interesting thing is South Carolina and Georgia play, I think, in week two. Mm-hmm. Georgia and Missouri play in week four, and then Missouri and South Carolina in week six. So on October 7th, like, I'm going to be able to tell you who's winning the SEC East, mm-hmm. barring Dan Mullen being an absolute miracle worker. Right, right. We're going to wake up on October 7th, and if one of those three teams has gone 2-0 and in those games, that's your SEC East champion. Mm-hmm. I I mean, it's almost impossible for it not to be. Yeah, unless, you know, whichever team went 2-0, like, loses a starting quarterback or something. You're right, down or the stretch, but... does something idiotic like lose to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, which I guess is not impossible. I mean, that hey, this, this is why we play games. Um, so, yeah, we are – we made it through mm-hmm. another offseason. <laughs> more importantly, we made it through another camp. I have now covered – 16 mitch has covered one and feels like he has covered 16 oh yes yes (laughs) (laughs) it is uh i'll I'll say this though and i think you'll agree fall camp's better than spring football it absolutely it absolutely because at least at the end of fall camp there's something there and it's much warmer spring football this year was freezing yeah just 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 as an aside i would take freezing though i would take 35 over 95 oh i disagree really yeah yeah but anyway uh (laughs) anyway yes yeah no the uh the camp is done, and it was better than spring, and we're we're ready to go. I'm I'm ready for 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 games to start, and you know the speculation to kind of actually end. It won't end. Well, it'll it, just at least it'll there. be based on something, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I don't know anything else. Missouri, non-Missouri, anything you just like want to talk about? I don't think so. Me neither. I'm tired of talking. All right, we'll be back next week. We'll uh, find sometime in the next seven days. Mitch and I will learn one thing about the UT Martin Skyhawks, and we will tell you next Thursday. Thanks for listening.